Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of The Salty Catholic. I am your host, Dennis Casto. Uh, sorry, it's been a couple of weeks since my last upload. Life kind of just got busy. Uh, but I'm back now, and uh, hopefully I will continue to bring new episodes every few weeks, maybe every couple of weeks. And uh, I have a few episodes lined up with some guests that I'll be recording pretty soon, so make sure you check them out in the future. Uh, now, today, I want to discuss and I want to talk about church rules. Uh, you know, when we were kids, we used to say, I don't like rules, and it's interesting uh, because the way a lot of people perceive rules, uh, they perceive them as uh, like oppressive, uh, they kind of hinder our freedom, they don't allow us to do certain things, uh, especially when it comes to the church. That's a single, at least, in, you know, for me, a single most frequent complaint that I hear when speaking to some non-Catholics, whether it be another, you know, Christian denomination or mostly comes from, you know, non-believers, atheists, and actually even some Catholics, they'll, you know, complain, you know, why does Christianity or why does the church have so many rules? Why can't we just, you know, just be good people and do our own thing? Why can't I just pray at home, you know, between me and God? Why is the church full of don't do this, and you could do that, and you're not allowed to do this thing unless you meet certain criteria, and it's just a lot of, and I especially hear this uh, when speaking to guys, if I'm being honest, as guys kind of don't like rules, uh, and it's interesting because I've never really thought about it this way, at least me personally, I've never really thought about the rules of the church, I just kind of, I just do and follow the rules without thinking about them, or at least I try, I should say, uh, maybe a lot of people feel the same way. You know, when you compare Catholicism uh, to other Christian denominations, uh, we just seem to have more rules than other churches. And when you compare us especially to, you know, the secular world, atheism, it just seems like we have way more rules. Uh, you know, rules uh, that have moral laws, uh, things that pertain to human sexuality and dignity, uh, rules for fasting and abstaining, uh, which I'm, I'm, it's pretty funny because during Lent, I'm sure some of you uh, some of the listeners uh, will have gone through this, but we end up spending so much time explaining uh, rules for uh, Lent for to our family and friends. You know, what time am I allowed to eat? If I give something up, am I allowed to have it Sunday? What if I go to Mass late, you know, 7 p.m., but I want to eat my chocolate at, you know, 1 p.m. with my friends? Am I allowed to do that? And then we end up spending so much time on the rules the conversation revolves around the you know rules with fasting abstaining and giving stuff up and all that stuff to the point where the meaning of lent is completely lost and this is just one example of rules but i want to focus on the big picture of rules of the church uh, because i get that a lot of like you know why does a church have so many rules and usually when people ask me that question and i love this question by the way because uh, i usually answer this question with another question which I, you know, I hate when people do that, but, you know, Jesus in the Bible always answered the Pharisees' questions with his question to get them to think. So I usually ask people, like, did your parents have rules when you were growing up? You know, did you have a curfew time? Did you have a bedtime? Was your TV time limited? What time you can go outside? Who you can hang out with? Uh, you know, you had all these rules, but you don't look at your mom and you're like, mom, you're such a Pharisee. Uh, you know, I'm sure you would have gotten the, one of the biggest whippings you've ever gotten in your life. Or if CPC is listening, you would have been on an extended timeout. Now, of course, you would have never said anything like that, but you may, you may have felt like that. You may have felt you like saying that, like, why are my parents being so strict and mean with all these rules? And it's not fair. You know, it's, it's not a fair thing to think because as kids, we didn't understand the rules and they seem so restrictive. 
And that's why when someone asks me, like, why the church has so many rules, it's easy for me to say, well, your parents had rules, and I'm sure there were reasons for them. They didn't have these rules just because they felt like it, or they enjoyed seeing you miserable or unhappy. It was to make sure that you are safe and happy in the long run when you grow up. And it's not just that. It's also because they wanted you to have some like good moral character. They wanted to teach about virtuous living. They wanted to teach about responsibility. They wanted to make sure that you are a good citizen of the world, that when you left your house to go out into the world, you were a good person. Now, if your parents wanted all these things for you, and they set up all these rules to make it so, then our mother, the church, wants the same thing as well. And we've heard this, um, you, you hear this term once in a while, Holy Mother Church. And if the church is our mother, then she has some rules for us. Those rules are not meant to oppress or make us have no fun or miserable or just want to punish us for whatever reason because it just feels like it. But they're the same things of developing responsibility and living a virtuous life and develop our moral character to help us live the way God intended us to live. The way he wills us to live with good relationships, not just with him, but with others. With the same goal that when we leave our home here on earth, we will be able to enter eternal life in heaven. We will be good citizens in heaven. Now, that's an important way to look at rules. And that's one of the things that I tell people right off the bat. You know, so we're, we're talking about rules and why rules are important and why the church has so many rules. Well, it's, I just like to give them a big picture and a big perspective of, of the rules. It's because I imagine there are some rules that one might think, that's a little, uh, I don't know about that rule. And there are some rules that have changed, you know, some dis disciplines of the church really have changed, not really the rules. Um, so like one example, um, I've heard this complaint like, I can't eat an hour before communion. Well, you know, not to burst your bubble, but they used to have it much harder before they had to fast and they were not allowed to eat the entire morning from from the moment they woke up until they went to mass and uh, once they do then they can break their fast which is how we get the term breakfast you know you break your fast imagine for those of you who go to 7 p.m mass just be grateful that this rule has uh, has been lifted uh, now you just fast one hour before receiving communion so it's really about 15 20 minutes before mass starts uh, so again, those of you who go to 7 o'clock Mass, 7 p.m. Mass, uh, just be thankful that this uh, this discipline has changed. Um, but, you know, just to get back to the rules, it's interesting to see the perspective of the rules. And you see these things and you're like, uh, but like, why do we have these rules? But if you look at the big picture of rules, you can go back to the very beginning in Genesis. And literally, what was the very first thing God did after creation, after he created the entire world, all the animals, uh, you know, all the plants, all the life, man and woman. And uh, I love this because that kind of tells us who God is. If you claim that rules are oppressive and restrictive and meant to take away and like suppress your freedom, and then you see the very first thing God after he created Adam and Eve, uh, he's got him there and he's like, look, this is paradise. You have one rule, just one rule. I don't want you to eat that one fruit from that one tree over there. It's simple. Everything else, it's paradise. It's paradise, baby. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet where you don't gain any weight, feel bloated after eating too much. There's a there's a McDonald's Coke fountain over there that's never-ending. Uh, 
Baskin Robbins in that corner has 40 million flavors, not just 31 flavors. Anything you want, you can have. And that's essentially what they had. Don't eat from that tree. God chose to do that. Uh, and then you know the rest of the story, obviously. Look at this. This is how God introduced himself to us. And it's not just at the Garden of Eden, right? So when you fast forward a little bit, when uh, Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden, uh, if we fast forward, you'll see Moses and all the Israelites. And they're going through the desert and mountain goes up Mount Sinai and he comes back with what? The commandments, the Ten Commandments. And he's like, oh, by the way, here's some rules. I notice, uh, you know, a few little things going on down there and y'all don't know how to act. So here's some rules for you. But wait, there's more than God gives Moses a bunch of other rules on how they could eat, what they can eat, what how they can prepare their food, what days are allowed to prepare their food, and, uh, you know, all sorts of rules. And you think, is this nothing but sort of like a rule-mongering, this oppressive God? And it sounds bad on the surface. It sounds like the people who make the rules don't love you. Yet God had these rules, and he used these rules not to oppress us, but really to form us and guide us on how we ought to be so that we can be more free to love him and to love our brothers and to love our sisters and love everybody. He had a way he wanted us to live. And what's interesting is that we see the way some people view the Old Testament and New Testament God. You'll hear people often, and actually I used to think of it this way, like the Old Testament God, he was just filled with so much wrath. He was so angry all the time and he was just like smiting people and killing them and you know for just breaking the simplest rules uh, like what one funny example is uh moses uh, god had told moses when people were complaining that they wanted some water he told him to go and tell that rock to give you water and moses went and struck the rock twice with his stick and god got angry with him and told him because of that he will not go he will not see israel he will not see uh the land the promised land it's like Oh, geez. Okay, calm down. Like, it was just, I hit a stick. <laughs> you know, I hit my stick on a rock and got people some water. You're really going to do that? You know, we, we see this with the Old Testament God. But then, the New Testament God, Jesus, man, Jesus loves and turns the other cheek and just talks about love, baby. Just love everybody. But look, it's important for us to understand this is the same God. And people don't always get that picture. I'm not saying that like Jesus fixed the bad parts about God of the Old Testament. He didn't say like, look, the, all that old stuff, just forget it. You know, that's, you know, the old guy, he's just kind of cranky and don't worry about it. It's me. I'm the cool guy. You know, it's not like bad cop, good cop, good cop, bad cop. I said that backwards. Uh, but there is something that's uh, that's going on that's more important for us to understand. And it's something we have to always keep in mind. This is the same God. God didn't grow up. God didn't change his views on us. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's eternal. He's unchanging. This is why we can depend on him. It's because he's never changing. He is. Not like he was, you know, a bit upset back then. And now that he has a son, he kind of like, you know, his perspective on life changed. Like, you know, how dads, they kind of like tone down they're like, uh, you know, the way they're the tough guy persona. Once they have a kid, they get all soft. That's not how it is. The thing that happens is we change our perspective about God the more we learn about him. He doesn't change. It's us that change. So if we go back to the example from earlier uh, when kids growing up and uh, complaining about parents having rules, 
you remember back then when you were young and you obeyed and, and how many times have your parents said this because I told you so and when you were younger you had to accept that you didn't understand it but you did it and maybe you did it because you feared the almighty na'alta that your mom was going to throw at you and again if CPC is listening you may have feared the extended time out with no snacks but the point is there is a time when you were younger and you start to get, you know, grow up a little older, and then I told you so just wasn't enough anymore. And as you get older, it just starts to, you know, you start to question these rules, and then once you understand them, they just seem to make more sense. And they may not be quite as crazy as you thought, especially when you ask them to explain, like, why they had a certain rule back then. Like, a personal example I can give you, my brothers and I, uh, we had a bedtime of 8 p.m., this is in middle school, mind you. So it's not like we were, you know, toddlers or infants. We were in middle school and we had an 8 p.m. bedtime. It's like, mom, the sun is still out and I'm going to bed. What is wrong with you? Um, and then once we grew older, I asked my mom, like, why did you used to have a bedtime at 8 p.m. And now you don't care if we sleep at, you know, 12 o'clock or 1, 1 a.m. on a school night. So she explained that when we first came to this country, we were so poor that she essentially, you know, we had three boys in the house that were growing. So you can imagine how much we were eating. So she was just worried that if we stayed up later uh, after dinner time, we would get hungry and we would go snack, eat ice cream, drink pop, uh, you know, eat chips, eat a bunch of snacks, and that she would have to go shopping for more snacks. And we just didn't have the money for it. So the best thing that they were that they were able to come up with to kind of until we got on our feet, was to make us go to bed at 8 p.m., hoping that if we fall asleep early, we won't have to have that, you know, that fourth meal, that midnight snack. So, you know, once that was explained, it wasn't as crazy. It didn't seem, you know, it wasn't that she just was, she hated us, so she wanted us to go to sleep, and she didn't want us to stay up and have fun. So, just like those rules, the more rules you realize your parents had, and once they were explained to you when you get older, they just, they're not as crazy as you thought. So much so, that when you get older and you have kids, you start putting some of those rules on your children. It's like, I know I used to think they're crazy, but they actually kind of make sense. And so you mature in your understanding of the rules. The same goes with the church. When you mature spiritually, as you mature spiritually, you understand the spirit and the meaning of the law. And once you understand the spirit and the meaning of the law, it makes it profound. And it makes it very important that you follow these laws and these rules and because you understand what the law is leading you to, it's why you do it. It will lead you to morality, to a better character, to a virtuous life, which will all lead you to Jesus. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. And I think in today's society, it's much harder to follow the rules of the church than it was maybe 20, 30, or 40 years ago. And I think it's because of a few things. Uh, one of them being our political climate. People just to not have a trust in the institution or any institution. You know, we're hearing about all these institutions hiding the truth from us. You know, politicians being caught doing something bad or hypocritical. Shocking, I know, right? I mean, we went through like the, the hashtag MeToo movement uh, last year where it was exposed how Hollywood and the media was pretty much just hiding the fact that all these women were being abused behind the scenes left and right. And when we hear these stories, our natural human instinct is to not trust an institution, not to trust anybody with any power over us. And I think the rules are 
now today, actually, I think they're a little bit easier than they were before. But I think because of the climate that we're in, and especially because of social media, we tend to want to rebel against these rules, against these institutions. And I think it's also maybe due to the fact that the church has like a sense of being ancient and old. And you'll hear people use the phrase like, it's so out of touch. It's, you know, written, the book that you guys are following is written 2,000 years ago by people who didn't even have science and didn't have grasp of, you know, anything going on in the world. And those rules, you know, people don't investigate at all. And this goes back to what I was talking about. When you were a kid and you were immature, you didn't understand why the rules were there. And as you got older and you matured and you understood the rules better, they make more sense to you. Well, in the same exact way with the church's rules today, we need to spiritually mature and investigate why are the rules there. And kind of going back to what I was uh, talking about, you know, God being the same uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the same way as we matured in our understanding, the Old Testament God, we realize, is revealing his truth to us through the ages. We're, we need to learn who God is. We need to learn his love. And he said that he loves us, but he had these rules, right? And then he comes along Jesus. And Jesus said a couple of things regarding rules, right? Uh, one of the things that he said, this is in, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 17. Uh, he said, I did not come to abolish a law, but to fulfill the law. So the laws are still in place. The Old Testament laws are still in place, uh, right? But then when he was asked about the commandments in, uh, in Matthew 22, someone asked Jesus, uh, which of the commandments is the greatest, right? Uh, which, uh, which one is the most important? Jesus summed it up by saying, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right away, he explains all the laws that the prophets hang on these two commandments. So essentially, he's helping you understand the spirit of the law, of all the commandments, of all the rules that God had put in place in the Old Testament. He put it where if you love God and you love others as much as you love yourself, then naturally you're going to follow these laws. They're going to make more sense to you. They don't become a list of don'ts and do's. They become a because you love people, this is why you do it. Because you love God, this is why you do it. And you know, Jesus didn't say, uh, I think I'm going to get rid of these commandments. They're just way too complicated. And here's just two new rules. Just forget what you've learned and let's just start fresh. No, he said, I have not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. He came to give us the spirit of the law so that we can understand who God is and what he wants from us. It's a new more spiritually mature way of understanding God's law and the importance of it. That's why when we look at this, that's really important for us to understand that this is the same God. He loves us steadfastly. Even when he was, you know, theoretically doing all these mean things to his people in the Old Testament, he really has been loving us since the beginning of time and he will love us forever until the end of time. So much so that he sent his only son, and Jesus, in the same way, loves us so much that he would die for us. It's the same love. It's the same God. He hasn't changed. We are growing more spiritually mature, hopefully, and understanding through revelation what God intended and what the spirits of the law really meant. Uh, it doesn't mean, uh, this doesn't mean that we, you know, we can bend and break the laws just because we understand them better. But it means because we understand them more, we should keep them because we are realizing what, what they are 
and uh, what they are intending to do for us. And uh, I, I will kind of um, close it on a, on this, is that um, laws don't oppress. Look, take religion out of this for a moment, right? Laws do not oppress. They actually free us. They make us more free. And I know that sounds like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Rules are restrictive. You know, they keep us from doing things. But I want you to think of a couple of examples. Imagine driving from here, Michigan, all the way to Florida with no traffic laws. You probably would not get very far. You probably would make it out of your driveway, make a left turn, and somebody would hit you. Somebody would come smashing, uh, plowing right through your car. It's because we have all these traffic laws in place, we are able to freely go wherever it is that we want. It's because we have these speed limit laws. It's because we have a, you can only turn right on some places and you can turn left in some places and there's one-way streets and there's traffic lights and the way you drive your car. It's because we have all these traffic laws, we are able to freely be able to maneuver wherever it is we would like. Again, imagine if there were no rules whatsoever and anybody was able to drive on anything, on any grass, on anything. It would be chaos. Uh, another example I can give of, of rules not being oppressive is think of sports. Um, I'm going uh, to give basketball as an example because if I say soccer, 99% of you would be like, I don't even watch that sport, uh, even though it happens to be my favorite sport. I don't know a thing about football, so I can't even tell you, and 99% of you watch uh, watch football and like it, so I think basketball is probably the most neutral one, but imagine basketball. Imagine somebody gave you a ball and said, here, do whatever makes you happy with this ball. You're not going to be a great basketball player. You're not going to know how to properly play basketball. If somebody just handed you a ball and said, listen, you want to dribble with two hands? Do whatever makes you happy, right? Whatever is... Whatever feels good to you, just do it. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't hold the ball and run without dribbling it. We need rules in order for us to properly play this sport of basketball. And you can apply this logic to any sport. And the people who practice these rules and practice the way they hold the ball, the way they dribble, the way they run, the way they turn, the people who practice these rules, they're the ones that excel and are better at it. And then another example... I can give is just look at the physical world. There are a lot of rules that the physical world needs to follow in order for us just to exist. So if you, when you think of gravity, the speed of light, all these things, they are set in place with a specific, you know, a value. Um, I urge everybody to look at um, an argument for the existence of God is called fine tuning, where everything in the universe is finely tuned for our existence, you know, you take anything like the speed of light and change the number of it by just a bit, we would not exist. So even the physical world has rules it needs to follow in order for us just to exist. God created all of us. God created everything that exists. And everything in existence needs to follow laws, whether it's natural law, uh, you know, whether it's the physical law, you know, uh, all these laws that, that God has put in place is for us just so that we could just exist in the world and be who we are. So same goes for us. Let's not think about rules being oppressive and rules being, you know, not letting you be happy. It's the opposite. It's because of rules that we are able to be who we are. And there's a then there's a sense of meaning and purpose and a unified goal to do something. So just like how we can't play 
any kind of sport or have any kind of interaction without some kind of structure, some kind of order. And order essentially, you know, guides us and leads us and shapes us and, and informs us into who God calls us to be. So if we look at the church as some kind of big rule generator or like this fun ruiner with God being, you know, Captain Buskill with all these rules, then we're missing the whole point. Maybe we're spiritually immature and maybe we need to reflect upon that. And it's super important to reflect on what God is calling us to do and what he is calling us to be. Because the rules are all, they're, they're to make me and they're to make you and to make everybody a better person. To be the person God calls us to be. And most importantly, to call us where God wants us to be for all eternity. These rules are going to get us to heaven. So don't complain about rules, just do it. Just suck it up and do it. Eventually, you're going to dig deeper, you're going to pray about it, and you're going to come to an understanding that there is a reason for these rules. Okay, so that concludes this episode. I spoke a little too much this time. Uh, but God bless you all, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please remember to leave a review and share this podcast with anybody you know. I would love to hear some feedback and even some suggestions for future episodes. Thank you all once again and stay salty.